show today, we're joined by the fabulous Tapri Hewitt to chat all things financial. Welcome to Property Matters. Well, welcome to Property Matters, and it's a very special episode today because we are back live for the first time in a long time, actually, as Planet FM have had their big move to their fabulous new studios, which just so happens to be right behind Bath and Thompson, our fabulous sponsors for the show. So a big welcome to everyone and a massive thank you to Christine, Paul and Joe from Planet FM, who are probably listening outside my door now with their fingers crossed that they're actually hearing my voice uh, as we start this show. Now, who better to bring back for our very first live show than my fabulous friend and wonderful financial wizard, Tapri Hewitt. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me once again, Stephen. It's great to have you here. And look, I wanted you back because you're always our most popular guest because so Ah. many people listen to the show and they want to know all about mortgages, financing, refinancing. So for the next little while, let's unpack that and unpack some myths. But before we do, let's tell our listeners a little bit about your own journey that led up to you being managing director of your own company. How did it start? Take me back. Take you back. So I grew up in Hawke's Bay uh, and I've always had a... I guess a love for, for property, and that is through my father. Um, so I grew up in Hawke's Bay. He bought his first home when he was in his early 20s with my mother. Uh, we then transferred to Hawke's Bay, and he uh, he bought another house with, with my mum. So the passion has come from that, from, from Dad saying that, you know... Um, you need security for your family. You don't want to be dictated by your landlord. Um, yeah, and so so this is where uh, property or the passion for property has triggered my interest. And, um, yeah, and so I became a mortgage advisor years and years later. Um, but prior to this, I am a property investor. I bought my first home, just like my father, in my, in my early 20s, second home my early 20s as well. Uh, by the time I had hit 30, my husband and I had a portfolio of properties. Uh, and so, for me, it's all about helping people get into get into homes, albeit whether it's one property or a property portfolio you're wanting to, to undertake. Um, but yeah, and it's also about being comfortable in retirement too. Nice. Now, to become a financial advisor, what sort of the background, I guess, or the the education, the qualifications mm. you've got to have? It's not, not anybody can just suddenly say, hey, I'm a mortgage broker. Well, I don't know about that, Steve. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, you know, most people can become a financial advisor if you, if you really want to. So my background, I'm not a banker by trade at all. So your typical broker has uh, a background in banking. Uh, for me, I have worked in, uh, you know, uh, in finance uh, areas of of organisations, but my passion for property has really been from when I started investing at, at a young age. I really wanted to tell people about this thing called property and how it was working for us. Uh, it's a financial, um, it's it's a tool to 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 get ahead financially. And yeah, I, I love sharing information. I love to see people thrive. Uh, so so this this for me is something that I consider helping people uh, get ahead. You've kind of answered my next question. I guess I'm curious, you know, 
what is it about the finance side of investing that you love? Because you're, you're helping people at the start of their journey, aren't you? Yes, yeah, absolutely. You're helping people. I, I love to see people develop and I love to see something right from the beginning uh, to through to fruition. Property does that and it has done this for my husband and I. Uh, it has helped us uh, with so many opportunities within our lives and, you know, it is an opportunity to share with people and show them how it can be done. Um, you know, if a few disciplines in place, um, you know, things like that, then, yeah. All right. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing property investors these days? Property investors, uh, the biggest challenge, I would say, is the deposit that's required. Uh, so... If you're buying an existing home, you require a 40% deposit. That is about to change. Um, and, you know, most people can't come up with 40% deposit. It is it is really difficult to, uh, you know, if you're in Auckland and you, you're purchasing a house that's, um, you know, $800,000, imagine having 40% of that. that yeah. So that's a massive challenge is, is the deposit. And, of course, the interest rates. So if I switch that question now and I say, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing financial advisors and mortgage brokers mm. these days? How does that switch? Well, it, it is the same thing. So there, as a financial advisor, we are here to, um, I guess, to help people understand what is required for like your first home in terms of deposits um, and, you know, in terms of your spending as well, affordability, how much you have to earn to enable you to purchase a particular home. So bringing those two things together, you know, we also have to talk to people about their finance, um, their, their finances, how they're spending their money and, uh, you know, cutting back and becoming disciplined and not running up the, you know, the buy now, pay later, the, the credit cards. Uh, and, and it is difficult. Mm. I think we might be talking about that a few times throughout tonight. Yeah. You know, just that. I'd love to talk about yeah, that. how we look mm. after our finances. But you know, that segues nicely into what advice would you give for a first home buyer yeah. in today's current market trying to make that first purchase? Trying to make that first purchase. Um, really, it is you have to you have to decide that you want to buy a property. I think that's first and foremost. If you if you say yes and you commit to the process, then you have to be all in. So number one is looking at your KiwiSaver contributions. So if you're working, uh, maximise those contributions, um, you know, increase contributions to a maximum of 10% if you can. Mm. Um, and if you can only do 3%, that is that is, that is absolutely fine. So KiwiSaver contributions is a must. Um, number two is have a budget. Make sure you've got a budget. If you don't know, uh, or if you don't have a budget, then how you know? How do you know how much you're you're meant to save? Have a goal. Like goal is is first and foremost as well. So have your goal, whatever that deposit looks like, then create a budget around that, and also just making sure you're spending like cut back on the, you know, the going out to dinners. You know, maybe eating at home. Um, I know there is a lot of. Uh, you know, places where you can undertake, get credit, easy credit. Uh, there's a lot of clothing out there. I mean, you know, mm. just hold back until you've actually saved your deposit. There was a lot in the media, 
don't know, it was about a year ago of, you know, that banks were even looking at how often you were buying your coffee or getting your yeah. Uber Eats. Is, is it down to that sort of detail? Not not as strict anymore, uh, but it, it really does depend on how much the person, um, you know, what their income is. That is all dependent on, yeah. So, I mean, if they're, they're buying lots of coffees and they can afford it, absolutely. But it's right. when you can't, yeah, when, when we're just, you know, trying to um, make the affordability stack up, that's when it becomes an issue. Yeah. Now, you've talked about KiwiSaver a couple of times mm. already. So, yeah. talk us through, if you're a young person listening and, and you know, yes, put put more in, what's what's the big benefit of KiwiSaver? How does that help you? Yep. The, the benefit of KiwiSaver is your employer can contributes as well as the government uh, and so if you're in this scheme for a minimum of three years and, and contributing this uh, deposit can go towards your um, you can withdraw it at the time you're ready to purchase your first home so that is the benefit of KiwiSaver also you can't spend it on anything mm. else but mm-hmm. that so you know um, you don't really have to be disciplined other other than mm. you know this thing is already ha- happening automatically yeah and if you start that from a young age it's a good habit and imagine Imagine where we'd all be if we'd started it when we were 18 or at our first job. Absolutely. So my son, uh, he's he's a great example of, uh, you know, as soon as he started. We actually um, joined KiwiSaver when he was, for him, when he was young. And as soon as he started working, I asked him to, uh, to increase his KiwiSaver contributions because... He hasn't earned this, this sort of money before, so if you you know if he increase it straight away, then you know you won't miss that money. So mm. that is a, I, I guess, advice to to the young ones. As soon as you start, just increase that KiwiSaver, and I tell you what, and you know as soon as he finishes university and starts to uh, work full time, then you know he will be in a position where he'll have a really good deposit. Mm. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned changes to the deposit. So so what's happening with the LVR that's impacting deposits? You know, how large a deposit does a first-home buyer or an investor need these days? Yeah, so deposits can be anywhere from 5%. Obviously, you've got to fit the criteria. 5% right up to 20%. Not many people have 20% deposit. So the banks are capped as to how much low deposit lending they can provide. Uh, they're capped at around about 10%. So this new, um, the, the new changes that are coming into play, it will allow the banks to extend that low deposit lending and, um, and, and Obviously, it's going to give more opportunities to our um, to our first home buyers to get into get into property. Mm. Nice. Now, we're thinking of first home buyers again. How does Kiwi build? And there was a stage there was a lot to talk about first home grants that you can apply for. Yes. How do these stack up realistically in the mix? Well, with with the first home buyers grant and the the Kiwi build is different. So the government have provided um, you know particular developments or affordable housing for the people to uh, or for our first home buyers to purchase. Now you have to fit the criteria. And what I do suggest to our first home buyers is that you go onto the Kaianga Order website. Uh, that's the old housing New Zealand. Go onto their website and it spells it out to you. So, for example, for for Kiwi we build um, in terms of eligibility, like you have to if it's joint uh, borrowers, then you have to be earning less than 200000 but if it's first home buyers grant, it's less than 150000 so don't get them mixed up um, and what we say is we 
So have a look at Kainga Order's website. It is really easy to understand the criteria uh, and, yeah. You mentioned joint borrowers. There's been quite a bit of marketing at the moment of, of certain banks doing, um, you know, buy with a friend, an auntie, yes. a relative, a, a, you know, your, your best flatmate. Are you noticing that trend happening more and more as single people try and work out their best way to get on this market? Yeah, absolutely. I am absolutely uh, noticing that trend for sure and that, uh, you know, friends are buying together or relatives are buying together. There are some risks to that. Uh, obviously, you need to seek a, you know, um, a independent lawyers and, and make sure that, you know, you both understand mm. each other's <laughs> financial situation because I... You know, it's a great way to get into property. I'm a huge advocate of that, but you, you really need to understand what the implications are if you don't, you know, if, if things turn to custody. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah. there's a lot advice. of personal conversations that have to be had as well as financial, I imagine. You know, what if things go wrong for one person in the mix? And yeah. How do they get brought out of the process? Oh, ab- absolutely. I, I think... This is the one thing that needs to be said is that if you are planning on going into a, a partnership with your with your friend, in my view, you need to understand what their financial situation and commitments mm. are. You know, there is no, oh no, I'll talk about this with my mortgage broker or with the mortgage broker and mm. you can t- have a separate conversation. Yeah. I think full disclosure is, is needed um, so you can both understand each other's financial situation and know whether you are wanting to proceed. Definitely. Um, so walk me through the process. Take your time. I'm a first-time buyer. I've come in, got in touch with you or a mortgage broker. How long is the process? Process and what do you need me to get ready before I even talk to you? Yeah, sure. The process can take, you know, it can take up to three months. Wow. From, from start to, you know, to purchasing a home. So when you get in touch with us or we get in touch with yourself, I will take around about 10 minutes to pre-qualify um, our potential customers. So I pre-qualify and once they pass that pre-qualification stage, then we start the process. I'll request things like... so actually, it, it is not me that requests it. It is uh, my my uh, relationship manager, Deirdre. She will request the the documents. So things like uh, your last three pay slips, uh, bank statements, you know, your ID. So those are the things. Your deposit proof of deposit. So for our first home buyers, you would need to have what you call a KiwiSaver eligibility letter. And this leap, this is not just a printout of you know how much you have in your KiwiSaver because even even though you might have, let's say, a hundred thousand in your KiwiSaver, you've still got to get permission from your provider that you are eligible to withdraw those funds. Mm. So we will refer you back to your KiwiSaver provider and ask for an eligibility letter. They know exactly what this is, uh, and then they will provide that. So that is your proof of deposit. Yep, and so any other savings that you have as well. Um, in terms of your 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 bank accounts, the bank generally request uh, three months of your bank statements. Uh, and yes, and they they will be scrutinising. Actually, we will be as your mortgage advisor scrutinising your bank statements. So if you know this is coming, it's good to start having those good habits, the budgets, everything before, and have a good three month journey to prove you can manage it. Yeah, not not 
always. Because or am I you, being too clever? <laughs> I, I, I think you, you just need to uh, reach out to your mortgage advisor and go through that pre-qualification right. stage because sometimes you've, you've got people who earn quite a bit of money and they, they might be uh, frivolous with their spending. Mm. But that's okay. It still meets the affordability criteria. Mm. So I would say get in touch with us and, um, and I can pre-qualify them pretty quickly. Now, you mentioned earlier a lawyer. Yes. What other professionals, what sort of people do we need to bring into the mix if we're thinking of purchasing our first home? Who are the professionals that you sort of send people off to talk to? Yeah, okay. So we at Hewitt Mortgages, we like to offer a wraparound service and that we want to make it really easy for our um, either our first home buyers or just, just anyone wanting to, uh, you know, to delve into property or refinance. We want to make it really easy for them to undertake that process process. So uh, your lawyer, you need a really good lawyer. We actually deal with um, solicitors. We refer our solicitors uh, that we deal with um, that I have personally dealt with uh, in the past to to assist our clients. We also would encourage you to see a insurance advisor. Mm. Yep, insurance advisor. So Jamie James from insur- uh, from Jamie James Insurance. She is one of the ones that we use uh, for insurance, and and also you know you'd need a building inspector as well. But we have all of those uh, services available to our clients. Um, but of course you can you can use your, you can find your own if that's what you wish to do. Yeah, because I've got stuck on the financial. But of course you're right. There's then the actual building itself. Someone needs to check that that's up for a mortgage in the first place and not likely to fall over. And I guess for apartments and things, you know, there's far more checks that have to be done in that scenario. Do you find more and more people buying apartments these days? Well, I guess the way housing's been built in Auckland, that's that's our future. Yeah, for, for apartments, you, you definitely need to do your due diligence and hence why your lawyer needs to be up with the play on, you know, making sure that they can check all those uh, disclosure documents and, um, you know, body corp documents and not know that you know everything is 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 fine for you to proceed um yeah so apartments definitely that is that is one of the things where you just really need to be mindful Mm. Mm. okay switching now from first home buyers to investors because we have lots of listeners who love to invest in property now if you're wanting to purchase a home purely as an investment so it is your first home Yes. But you want to buy it as an investment. Can that be done as a first-time buyer? <laughs> <laughs> I need the audience to see your facial expression there. Uh, that, that yeah, was, yeah. It sounds complicated just by the reaction, yeah. Well, well, it depends. If you're wanting to buy an investment property but you're not going to use your, your KiwiSaver, then that's that's absolutely fine as long as you've got the, the deposit right. that's required. But you can't use your KiwiSaver if you're not going to live in it. So How long do you have to live in it if you use your KiwiSaver? Six months. Okay. Yeah, six months is is, is minimum you have to live in it. Um, so if you are buying a new build, if it's just a new build and you're not a, um, what is it, a first home buyer... <clears throat> But you own a property, um, you know, there are certain banks that will lend you up to 85% uh, or, you know, or, or 80, 80% of the of the new build. But if you're buying an existing property, then you would need 40% deposit. Uh, but there are some relevant changes coming into play, so it might be 35%. Right. Yep. Okay, watch the space. Watch the space. Now, if you already own an investment property... 
how do I know when it's time to buy number two? What's well, the magic then, number? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you speak to us at, at Hewitt Mortgages. So, <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, yeah, you speak to us at Hewitt Mortgages. We work it out for you. Um, what I say is if you're ready to get into a... Uh, an investment property, we need to have that conversation with you because we we should. If you've already, if you're already a client of ours, we should already know what your plans are, and we will prepare you um, in terms of like if you're paying off your your existing mortgage, we might say things like we'll encourage you to pay off your existing mortgage a lot faster if you've got the excess income. So the difference between uh, your mortgage amount and the property value, the thing in between is your equity. Yep. So that is the deposit you can use to purchase your your new home. And we work this out for you. Nice. What other ways do you and your team help people with their investment goals? Like can people come in and say, look, this is where I want to be in 10 years' time? Mm-hmm map that out for me? Yeah, we, we map it out for our clients. We talk to them about their money and their... Um, because sometimes when we're looking through statements, we just encourage them. You know, clients might have money just sitting, like savings sitting on the side, and they want that there uh, for for a rainy day. But what we would say if they want... If we know that they're wanting to, one, save money, and number two, purchase investment properties, we help them get there faster but you know, by structuring their loan in a particular way. For example, we might advise them to have like a revolving credit or an offset facility. Uh, and this means, um, you know, it's a, you might have, let's say, a $20,000 mortgage. You might have $10,000 sitting on the side in savings. We can offset this $10,000 against your $20,000 and save you significant interest costs. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Talk to me about refinancing then. Yeah. How often should somebody refinance or look at it. We hear a lot about it in commercials for different finance companies come and talk to us and refinance. How often should we be doing that and what's involved in that process? So I say to my clients, you know, it's good to review your mortgage uh, annually, but Normally, clients will review it at the end of their, um, you know, when their mortgage is up for renewal, their fixed rate is up for renewal. So, for me, I say to clients, if you're if you're not sure, usually we will get in touch with clients if we can see that their fixed rate is coming up. But I would say on an annual basis. Okay, and what's involved in that process? Is yep. it a recheck of everything like you would a mortgage? A- absolutely, uh, we it, it is exactly like you would a um, first home buyers. We go through the process. I'll update your information. Um, you know, and documents are required. So it's pretty much the same things. You know, your your pay slips, your bank statements, that sort of thing. If we are looking at, um, you know. Every time somebody comes to us, we want to make sure that we're, we've got a few options on the go. We don't just look at your existing lender, uh, but there always has to be a benefit for our clients to refinance, right? Mm-hmm. If there's no benefit for the client, there is no way we will refinance them. We will show them how much they can save. Uh, yeah, and most of the time, you, you know there's going to be a massive benefit for them. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have talked about this before, but I've always found this quite fascinating, and that's the non-bank lenders. Yeah. You know, when would you, as a mortgage broker, deal with a non-bank lender versus Mm. sort of the well-known ones, and and why? Yeah, so most of the, like the majority of our lending is done through our main banks, but we have a few clients that have gone to our our non-banks, and the reason why we have done that is they might have some form of credit issue 
you know, uh, that has popped up. Uh, maybe it's an old debt that, you know, wasn't paid, they didn't know about it, uh, and then they've fixed it up and, you know, uh, but the, the main banks won't accept them. So it is a solution. I Initially, I, I just, I wouldn't look at the non-banks, but as the years have gone on, you know, this is a solution for our clients. It's a short-term solution for a long-term gain in that we will keep our clients there for a particular period of time, obviously depends on their situation, and then we will refinance them to a main lender. And right. Some so once the, they built some trust yep. in yep, history. Absolutely. Built good credit history. We, yeah, those ones were definitely, you know, making sure that they're, you know, good with their repayments, that, you know, they're not missing anything. Um, yeah, so it's usually just a year and then we can refinance them to a main bank. I'm guessing one of the nicest things about coming to a mortgage broker is you fill out the paperwork once yeah. rather than going to every bank, every non-lender yourself, who are all going to ask the same questions along the ride it's one person taking care of that next step and I'm pretty sure that you and your team would know straight away then okay this is where the books look for this person I'm going to steer down this bank or this one as your first attempt because you'd know your banks I imagine you built quite a relationship with them over the years absolutely so everybody's situation is different and we do all the legwork for you guys so all you need to do or all we need from you is is probably no more than 30 minutes of your time and really it's 10 minutes 10 to 15 minutes talking to myself and the rest is you gathering your information so we will look across the lenders instead of you going to each individual bank and I can tell you if you have to do it yourself it's it's going to take a very long time and that you have to you know, make an appointment with one bank and then go to another bank and take all the same information, whereas we do all of that for you and try and simplify the process and make it easy for you as, as much as possible. Nice. Now, each time Tapri and I catch up, we always chat about kids, our kids. And in fact, uh, my daughter, Jamie, had her first flight attendant check-off flight on a flight. I think it was Sydney yes, quite recently. Yes, and I get this lovely message from Tapri saying, uh, your daughter's serving me on this plane. <laughs> so, you know, that was really cool. What, what, as a parent, what advice have you given your children? And as parents listening to the show, what advice can we be giving our kids as they head out into this world? They're off for their jobs. What sort of things yeah. should they be doing to look after their credit and their finances? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, our, our children are looking to us as role models. And so, you know, it's easy for us as parents to talk to our children and say, hey, you know, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. But we need to make sure in ourselves that, you know, the way we manage our money especially <laughs> uh, is good. So as a financial advisor, as, as a mum, um, yeah, I'm a huge advocate of talking openly to my children about money and mm. how money works. And, and since they were young, they they know, you know, um, good credit, bad credit. They know about that. They know about, you know, um, spending habits and behaviours and things like that. So it's being open and honest uh, with your children, um, not just about money, but showing them. They want to see. They want to know exactly how you manage mm. your finances. So my children know all of that. They know what our mortgages are. They know what it takes to make those repayments. Um, they can see the bills, you know, wow. that sort of thing. So we're really transparent with our children that this is what it takes to, um, you know, to manage life in general. Mm. Um, and if you don't manage your money, you're going to end up like this. Yeah. And if you do manage your money, you're going to end up like this. So 
yeah, be open with your children is is my biggest advice. Yeah, I've got a friend who, from a very young age, had their children with the calculator at Pack and Save. <laughs> Our budget's 200. This yeah. is our wish list. Mm. And the kids actually played a part of going, okay, Mum, we're at 160 now and we haven't got this, this. What if we swapped this for this? Or or looking and going, actually, we could get that cheaper brand of pasta in return, then we could get the chocolate ice cream. You know, And I yeah. actually quite love that, that they, they found it exciting. Yeah. And all Mum did was push the trolley, wrote the list, push the trolley, Mum mm. or Dad, just go around the supermarket and let the kids take more control. You mentioned good credit versus bad credit. I remember growing up, there was always that dis- or early 20s, that discussion around perhaps you should have a credit card with a small amount so that you prove you can pay it off. Mm. But now credit's so readily available yeah. and you've got your buy now, pay later schemes, mm. higher purchases. You can, through Vodafone or Spark, just pay off your phone. Like, What's your advice? Should they be creating a credit history to prove that they're good or are they making big risks for themselves because if they're not, they're going to get the bad credit? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about creating that credit history. Um, you know, banks will understand and it depends on how good your mortgage advisor is in <laughs> terms of the way they propose your application. So I would say... Stay away from those credit cards. If you don't have the money, um, stay away from the buy now, pay later. If you don't have the money, then, you know, then why run it up? Especially if your goal is to own a home. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely anti all of the consumer debt. Uh, my children don't have that. Um, and if they have had that in the past, it's, it's, it's gone. Uh, maybe it was a lesson learned. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, look, if you don't have the money, don't bother. And I think, you know, as soon as you start working, have a budget, you know, have a budget. Put some money, you know, aside for for your spending, you know, no questions asked spending. Um, have a an account where you, you know, um, I don't know, where you just spend or uh, buy clothes mm. or whatever that looks like for yourself. One thing that we did when our children were, were young is when we'd go on um, holidays, we would give them their money. Yep. We would give yep. them their money and they had to budget that money themselves. Yep. We did the same. Yeah. Yep. Which yep. I think is great. It's a great way for them yeah. to say, oh, no, And you I do watch them that. in a shop process going, well, I could buy that now, but it's yes. only day one. Yep. And then you get the lovely question, will we be coming back to the small before the yeah. trip's over? Yeah. 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 Whereas if they don't, you know, if you're paying for the stuff, they don't see it, then, then of course they're going to want to spend, you know, spend more. Mm. Um, actually, one I, I have to say is uh, when my daughter was living at home, you know, of course, they'll turn on the power bill. They'll eat all the food, and they they do everything your children, you know, yep. do. Um, but as soon as they, you know, have their own life and they're they're flatting, uh, you know, like you know, switching off the lights, switching off the power, mm. you know, they've got their budget, and um, I love that. Yeah, I love seeing that. Yeah, mm. Absolutely. Now it's election year. Mm. We will be asking the housing ministers or potential housing ministers to come on the show in the lead up. To the election, do you see things changing in this financial space this year, being an election year? And I guess my follow-up to that will be what changes would you like to see? If they were sitting here in the room, what would you be saying? Yeah, look, I, I, I hope so. I would like to see more, you know, a lot more support for our first home buyers. Um, I, I don't want to see the property market increase in terms of price because, you know, I I just want to see more first-home buyers getting into homes and, um, yeah, not being dictated by their by their landlords. So that's that's one of the you know 
one of the things I'd like to see. I'd also like to see a bit more, you know, contributions like first home mm. buyers grants. I'd like to see that increase. What can you get for five thousand or ten thousand yeah. dollars? You know, um, I, I would like to see the lending criteria for our first home buyers, um, yeah, alleviated a hell of a lot more than what it is. We should be encouraging uh, them to get into homes as much as we can and making it easier. Uh, it, it is like they have to. I mean, it is definitely easier than what it has been in, in the past, but there's still, you know, a hell of a lot of room for, for improvement. But I think first and foremost, increasing that first home buyer's grant. Nice. Well, that's coming towards the end part of our show now. Let's get to know you and your company a little bit more. Tell us about your own company's growth over the last few years. Yeah, so it's been an interesting market to be in. Oh, it has been an interesting market. I mean, the first, what, year and a half was um, significant growth in terms of, like, uh, you know, customers buying houses and um, and throughout that COVID um, period and, you know, interest rates were really, really cheap and that triggered, you know, the demand for property to increase. So... That was interesting. And then the last, uh, you know, the last 12 months have definitely slowed up, you know, a lot. And that's due to the interest rate. So the the higher the interest rates, the less demand for housing, which means, you know, the property prices have pulled back quite a bit. That, yeah, so growth has been, you know, it's been, it's been up and down. But we're still getting people into properties. We're still refinancing. We, we, you know, we're still doing all the things. We have a mortgage broker, uh, you know, who has come on uh, with Hewitt Mortgages. We also have a, a relationship manager who's been with me for a year. Our intention is to bring on two other mortgage brokers, which is great. Or mortgage advisors, that's, that's, that's what I meant to say, mortgage <laughs> advisors. Um, so, yeah, we, we're looking to, you know, to, to get out there and, uh, you know, hopefully get as many people into homes as possible. I'm very passionate about seeing you know seeing our first home buyers get into homes Mm. now our last few episodes have had a real leadership focus and some wonderful feedback thank you to our listeners for that what do you think makes a good leader good leader well one of the things i think you know apart from all the things like listening that sort of thing i i think what makes a good leader is somebody who is prepared to develop help develop you know your your people, your staff. Uh, so, for example, I've had um, an amazing you know relationship manager that's come on a year ago. She was a stay at home mum. She'd been a stay at home mum for like I don't know fifteen years, something like that. And she came on to to work for us. And you know she didn't have any of the skills that you know that that is required to to do what she does today so from now she you know she can write alone she can submit that proposal uh, she can talk to customers so all of those skills mm. you know when i reflect on how well or her personal growth that i think is a you know a leader who's prepared to share and and help someone develop in their journey mm. i think that's yeah and watching you light up as you say that, that's a good sign of a good leader, which was my next question. How do you keep your team motivated and positive? Because I imagine it is a roller coaster of very busy times, which yeah. could be highly stressful, and then the quiet times. Yeah, I tell you what, it has been difficult, um, you know, in the, the past 12 months because it has been an unpredictable market. But all you can do is, or all we do is, you know, we... 
we have catch-ups uh, during the week. We, you know, are we on target? We set KPIs and, you know, motivate each other to, to achieve uh, to, to achieve our, our objectives for the day. Uh, one thing that uh, my that Deirdre does for, for me every day is, like, she sets my to-do list <laughs> because... As a mortgage advisor, you're getting calls left, right and centre and sometimes, you, you know, you'll forget what's happened to the last conversation, right? So there's, she, she keeps me in check, so I'm very fortunate. That's cool. Did your to-do to list say, come come to Planet FM today? Yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Don't go to the old studio, <laughs> it's disappeared. How, how has social media played a part in your business? Because you're big on social media. I love all your videos and posts. <sighs> has that, that's very new, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like on the in the Facebook space, and probably because of my age, <laughs> uh, you know, we've got a lot of people watching my posts, and and people that that you know they they call me, they talk to me about stuff, but you know they haven't ever liked my post at all. Um, <laughs> and then we have just um, launched into um, Instagram. And so for the last uh, couple of weeks, you know, we've been posting just tips and tricks every day mm. and people are loving it. Mm. They're loving the posts. Uh, and, and it just shows that some of the things that we think is, is you know, second nature, it, it's not. People want that information. So, But I think people also want bite-sized information. Yes. I mean, my new thing, I direct theatre at night, so I work during the day and then I go into the theatre. When I come home, make my cup of tea, and instead of turning on TV, I just for 10 minutes when I have my cup of tea, yeah. I watch so many little videos mm. that are in my social media. And I like a mix of informative and funny, yeah. but I must admit if I click and it's five minutes long, I'll roll past it. I'm mm, looking for mm. all the one to two minute ones just to unwind, and that's where you're picking up some great tips. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm not your typical banker or, you know, when you look at a mortgage advisor in the past, you know, you'd probably see them in a suit. But I'm not that person. You know, I'm, I like to be young at heart. Um, I, you know, I can put myself out on social media. I, you know, I can then wear a suit. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess if you just, when you come to Hewitt Mortgages, if you think, if your goal is to, to get yourself in a home or to um, purchase an investment property, or you just want to talk about a strategy, a long-term strategy to build wealth, come to us, come and talk to me, and I'll have that conversation with you for sure. Now, last time I talked to you, you zoomed in via Rarotonga. Yes. So my final question, what makes you tick? Is it family, friends, travel? My family, my, my family, uh, my number one. In fact, we just came back from a trip uh, in Hawaii and, um, you know, coming back is always, oh, I don't like it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, family is, is the reason I do what I do. Uh, my, our children are the reason, you know, we do what I do. So, you know... What I what I say to families out there, especially parents, like your your children are looking to you as a role model. Uh, so if you expect them to get into a house, then you know, please make sure that uh, yeah, you really take your own advice too. Well, we have come to the end of the show and run out of time so quick. How can people get in touch with you? Yes, well, you can follow us on Instagram, so Hewitt Mortgages on Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to our website, hewittmortgages.co.nz. Tapri, you are amazing. Thanks for coming back to our first live show. Thanks to everyone who's listening in and to Barfoot and Thompson, our sponsors. Have a fabulous rest of the week, and Tapri will catch up with you again soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. Remember to check us out at barfoot.co.nz forward slash property matters or email us at property matters at barfoot.co.nz and find us on Facebook at Property Matters Radio. Have a great week.